little bit in, in his favor almost. And that's okay. Because when God begins to move, the scripture says that he is a just God and we will have justice for this. The devil will pay for what he's done. He's going to pay for this. And so God is going to pour out his blessings on us. We're going to see a move. And it's going to tip those scales not just back to the middle, but God will tip those scales all the way over into his favor. And so it's exciting to be a Christian right now. If you're a new Christian, man, you've got good timing because now now's a great time and exciting time in the church. I'm, I'm almost like every day, like, what is God going to do next? Um, I was reminded of, when I was writing this of a, of a boxing match. I'm not a real big boxing fan, but it was this boxing match I watched, and it was Muhammad Ali versus Joe Frazier. I think they boxed like three times or something. But I was watching this boxing match. It was in black and white. And so Joe Frazier gets knocked down. The guy gets knocked down every round. He took a, he took a beating. It was almost like the 11th round, you're like, just, you know, just quit. But this guy in the 11th round, for whatever reason, comes out swinging. I mean, comes out swinging. Muhammad Ali's worn completely out and ends up winning over that. And I kind of felt like that's how I feel in the church right now. I kind of feel like we've taken a beating. We're in that 11th round. I feel like we're backed in the corner a little bit. But there's a Holy Spirit that lives inside of me, that lives inside of you, that can raise up inside of us in that 11th round when we think we're beat and, and begin to, to swing. The Holy Spirit doesn't get tired. The Holy Spirit doesn't wear out. He doesn't need sleep like we do. And so I just feel like in that 11th round, God's going to show up and tip those favors back into his favor, begin to pour out. So we're in a good place tonight, amen? I've lost my place. <laughs> I wrote, he can put strength back into you to stand you back up. When you've been knocked down, the Holy Spirit can put strength in you so that you can dust yourself off and say, I'm ready. I'm ready to fight again. Put that fight back into you. I'm ready for another round. And as God begins to move, our thinking has got to get bigger. I feel like we come to church and we, we um, things can get, you know, just same old, same old, same old. We come to church. And so our thinking is kind of in this little box and God wants to begin to expand that as he begins to move. As God begins to move, the prayers get bigger, the miracles get bigger, the praise gets bigger. And so what I want to talk to you about, and this is, a, this is an interesting topic, <laughs> but I want to talk to you about the power of imagination. And what got me on this topic was I was listening to a guy pray over a congregation, and he began to pray for their imagination. I'd never in my life, I've been to my church my whole life, I've never heard anybody talk about your imagination. And I'm not talking about, we, we can't get this confused with um, fantasy stuff like, you know, like Disney stuff or something like that. Fantasy stuff is something that's impossible. You know, if you jump in the water, you're not going to become a mermaid, okay? 
That's fantasy stuff. That's, that's Disneyland stuff. I don't want this to be confused with positive thinking. I don't think there's anything wrong with positive thinking. It's better than negative thinking. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your imagination. Everyone has an imagination, whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not. Everyone has an imagination. You can't go anywhere without first seeing it in your mind. You can't do anything without first seeing it in your mind. When you are at home and you think, I need to go to the grocery store, you imagine yourself going to the grocery store. You imagine those three stoplights that you're going to hit on the way there, right? When you um, pick a restaurant, you first imagine yourself, you know, if, if the topic comes up, where do you want to eat? And someone will say, McDonald's. I myself think of myself at McDonald's. I think greasy, and I say no. Then someone says, Wendy's. I think of myself, I use my imagination, I think of myself at Wendy's. Do I want Wendy's? No. <laughs> someone says, Chick-fil-A. I think of myself at Chick-fil-A, and I'm, yeah. Now I realize it's Sunday. Oh. <laughs> But the idea is conceived in your mind first with your imagination. Any, anything that you um, do in your life, any idea, any, any ministry, any, um, anything that you do for the Lord, first is an idea, and it first has to have imagination. When you go to pray, many times I feel like, we can pray and use no imagination. We, we, say the, we say the prayer, but we use no imagination at all. We say the prayer because we know we're supposed to say the prayer. But our prayers stay small because we've been told that imagination is silly and childish. The other night, there was a, a friend that I've been talking to. They're from Louisville. I've been going through some stuff. And so I went outside and I began to pray. Me and the dog. <laughs> I began to pray, and I began to send angels to their house. Now, that took a little bit of imagination because I imagined angels leaving where I was at and heading that way. But you know what? They sent me a text the next day, thank you for the prayers, feeling much better. I thought to myself, well, you should feel better because I sent a whole legion of angels to your house last night. I didn't tell them that. I just, there was a, there was a man that, um, he was a stranger to us. He, he didn't, we weren't even Facebook friends. We went and he had terminal cancer. And I don't know the name of the type of cancer that he had, but I know it was in his esophagus, on his spine, in his lungs. And the doctors told him that that type of cancer has a 100% fatality rate. It, if you, if it, it's basically a death sentence. But some, somehow he got in t contact with my brother. My brother calls me up and says, we're going to go pray for this guy. We don't know the guy, but we're going to go pray for healing. So I said, okay. <laughs> so we walk in there. We talk to the guy. He's real nice. And... Um, as we were praying, like I said, God shows me things sometimes in pictures. As we were praying, I saw a quick little picture of him wrinkled. And I told the guy, I said, I believe you're going to be healed from this. 
and you're going to live to be an old man. And he was like, well, that's, that's great, you know. And so he called us back, and he said, he went and got a scan, and the doctor said the cancer was 75% gone. We're like, yes, you know. But my brother calls up and says, hey, let's go hit him again. We hit him once with prayer, and it got was 75% gone. Let's go hit him again. So we go over there, we pray for him again, and I got, I got a text from the guy. I want to read you this text. And it says, well, the doctor had a change of plans. After we met today, reviewing my numbers, he has decided to take me completely off chemo. So as today, and just for the time being, I will be only be getting the some other drug. Today's visit got a lot shorter and much happier. I'm crying, still currently trying to process this. Praise God. If I'm, if I'm correct on this, I have to do the research. He will be the first survivor of this type of cancer, the one and only. Praise God. It, it, is, it is great to have a win. Praise God. Praise God. And the reason I tell you that is when you go to pray, don't be afraid to have some imagination. Don't put uh, the walls on your prayer. Don't say the small prayer. Go ahead and pray a big prayer. Because God, God is big. Everything God plans for you is big. And I wrote this, an imagination that is sanctified by the Holy Spirit is a weapon. An imagination that is sanctified by the Holy Spirit is not silly, it's not childish, it's not foolish, it's a weapon. And when I say sanctified, the definition of that is something that's declared holy, something that's surrendered under. It's a, the imagination is part of your mind. In James 4, 7, it says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. A lot of times we look at the end of the verse, resist, resist the devil, and he will flee, but we, we fail to really spend a lot of time on the beginning of the verse. It says, submit yourselves, therefore, unto God. And when it says that, it's talking about all of you submitted, therefore, unto God, your hands, your feet, your eyes. Even your mind and your imagination can be submitted unto the power of, of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. Submit your mind and your imagination. A mind submitted to God is not foolish. To the world, it is foolish. Because... I think just the other day they were talking about how it is scientifically impossible for a whale to swallow a human being. So therefore, um, Jonah, I about said Noah, Jonah could not have been swallowed by a whale. Because someone who is really smart and has scientific evidence is saying, but listen, the Bible goes a little bit past our logic. It passes up our scientific evidence. I don't care if the whale can not scientifically swallow someone, but that whale did, right? If God created the world, he sure can have a whale with a big throat big enough, big enough to swallow someone. Yeah. So the world is going to think that a, a mind submitted to God where there are, are, are no endless possibilities is going to say that's silly thinking. 
And so I, sometimes I think we may have adopted that in our prayer life, adopted that in our life. Don't think that big because that becomes silly. So the question you really have to ask yourself is what is possible? What kind of prayer is out of bounds? Because sometimes we, we say a prayer and we maybe we make it smaller than it should be because we don't truly believe that that's possible. Have we toned down our prayers based on, you know, well, that's not possible. Let's say, let's say a small prayer. And so we end up toning it, toning it down. A mind that is submitted to God uses the imagination, and that imagination has no limits. Has no limits. I, I pray that God can, this year, that God can expand what we think is possible. That God can take that to a new level, that we begin to truly believe that nothing, nothing is impossible. The Bible is full of examples of what is possible. You get in the Bible, there's some, there's some crazy stuff in there. Dead people raised from the dead. I've never had the, um, I don't think I've ever had the opportunity to raise someone from the dead. But if I had, the, the question then would be, if you had the opportunity, would you? Or would you think, you know, that it was his time? <laughs> it was his time, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that prayer, right? We don't, wanna, we don't want to um, look foolish, but can I just say, don't be afraid of the big prayers. I don't care if you've prayed healings your whole life. If you've prayed healings, you never saw one healing. Keep saying those big, those big healing prayers. Keep saying them. Because I've felt that way too, but, but you know what? Sometimes you're asking God to intervene. Sometimes, for whatever reason, he says no, but sometimes he says yes. And ask him anyway and get that yes in there and, and get a healing through. So Mark 10 and 27, back to what is possible. This is a, this is a familiar verse. And Jesus looking upon them saying, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Listen, the devil would like to come into your life and keep your prayers as small as he possibly can so that we say a simple, small, closed-minded little prayer at nighttime right before bed. But you need to learn, we need to learn, I think, who we are in Christ. You're someone that could break barriers for someone else. You're someone that could say a prayer of healing for someone else. You're someone that could speak faith to someone else. And what I'm learning is I've always thought that I had, if you're going to heal somebody or if you're going to pray over somebody, that you've got to physically be there and lay hands on them. But God is, God is not bound by distance. You can pray for somebody a long way away, and that prayer will still be as effective as if you were standing right there. God is not bound by distance. I asked, I asked my brother, I said, do you think God could, he, could heal over an email? Do you think God could heal over a text? I've, I've sent people texts that says, I have anointed this text in Jesus' name. Send them a text. Boom, boom, boom. Why? Because God is expanding my imagination. 
you can pray for them no matter how far they are away and just be as effective. God is not bound by distance. I know that if I needed prayer, send me someone with a big imagination that prays without boundaries. Send me someone that could see me healed. Can you, let me ask you this, can you see yourself healed? Have a big enough imagination that if you needed something in your life, you can see it in your, in your mind. So number one, an imagination that is sanctified by the Holy Spirit is a weapon. Number two, a mind that is submitted to God uses imagination without limits. In Romans 1, Paul writes, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. He's talking to the Romans. Neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish hearts were darkened. This is just showing us right here that they became vain in their imagination. It's showing me that their imagination became sick. Verse 22 says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Their God was their intellect. They, they professed themselves to be wise. So having a big imagination that God can do anything to them was foolish. Because they had the scientific evidence, they had the they had the intellect. They they were they were brilliant people. People looked up to them. They were smart. They thought they knew it all, but their minds weren't submitted to God, and it tarnished their imagination. Listen, when our minds get sick, the devil has found a way in and tarnished our imagination. It seems like God gets smaller. Church gets boring. Um, we can't even imagine ourselves free. Our lack of imagination, it squelches, it seems to me like it squelches God's power in our lives. And by a squelch, I mean it soaks up God's power. It keeps um, church not exciting. Um, as Christians, your walk with God, when you're, when you're submitted to God, it's exciting. Because you're like, what's the Lord going to do next? Who, who else is the Lord going to send our way? What other prayer can we, can we, you know? The other night I was driving home from Bedford. We went to B&L. Driving home, I had music on, and it was like the glory of God hit me in the Jeep. <laughs> and I began to just praise God, and it hit me right there. I began to yell glory over and over at the top of my lungs because it was like fire from heaven just hit me. And that's the kind of stuff, that's the kind of stuff that, that happens to, to us that, that are submitted to God that, that just want more of him. It's exciting. There's no, um, there's nothing boring about it. There's, um, I just, I love the, the um, adventures almost that God takes us on. In first. Chronicles 29 and 18. I'm sorry, I haven't been giving you time to look these verses up. I'm used to having them on the screen. I don't have them up here tonight, but sorry. First Chronicles 29 and 18. This is where David 
had received a, a giant offering. He was trying to build the palace. He needed all this money. So he gets this giant offering, and it comes, and God blesses. And so he's saying in First Chronicles 29, 18, he's saying, God has provided David with funding to build. Oh, never mind. That's not the verse. Here we go. Verse 18, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, our fathers keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of the people and prepare their heart unto thee. I love where it says, keep this forever in the imagination. Years from now, in layman's terms, he's saying, years from now, let them see in their minds and remember what God has done today. Don't let it get dull and fade out. And the only reason I read that scripture is sometimes we need to go back and remember what God brought us through. Go back and remember what God has done. Don't let that fade out. Use your imagination. Think about what God has done for you. Our imaginations do not compare to God's imagination. 1 Corinthians 2 and 19 says, But it is written, Every eye hath not seen nor heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, but the things which God has prepared for that man, for the man that loves him. It says, it says, the things that he has prepared has not even entered into our hearts. We cannot even imagine what God has prepared for those that love him. Listen, God's plans are big. God's imagination is big. God's thoughts are big. It seems like the closer you get to God, the bigger our thoughts get, the, the wider our minds get. So number three, an imagination that is submitted to God will walk on top. An imagination that is submitted to God will walk on top. It is hard to walk in depression when you imagine, when you can imagine God's power. When you can imagine God's joy, when you can imagine God's strength, it is hard to walk with anxiety and fear. It's hard to live in that. When you can imagine what God is going to do for you, when you can imagine how strong God is going to make you, it, it is hard to walk in those things. When God opens up and you really truly believe what he says in his word, it seems like the anxiety and the fear and the depression just kind of seems to just become smaller. The closer you get to God, the smaller our problems seem to get. You know that no matter what's going to happen, that God's got you. You know that, that when you wake up tomorrow, when you walk out, God is with you. And it just seems like our problems become so much smaller as he lifts us up and God becomes bigger. So I, this week, I just, I just pray that, that God can challenge your thoughts on what is possible. Pray with imagination. Read with imagination. Praise God with imagination. I want to read a scripture in Genesis. And I just want to use this as an example. So we all know that the very first of Genesis, Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Genesis 
2, chapter 1, verse 2. This is the King James Version. It says, And the earth was outformed and void, and the darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God. One version says the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. This King James says the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. Very simple verse. This verse floored me because I was thinking about this. You have God sitting there, and all of a sudden, his spirit is just hovering over the waters. I imagined a fog over the water of God's spirit. My question was, Lord, did you remove it? When you, when you were done creating the earth, did you remove it? And I thought about this scripture for days. I was uh, trying to find out, did God leave his spirit there on, in that verse 2, or did he remove it? From what I can tell, from what God told me, he said, no, nah, my spirit is still there, and it's waiting for people to discover it. He never removed his spirit. God's spirit is, was there on in the very beginning before he created anything, God's spirit was there. It was one of the first things that, was, that he put on the earth was his spirit. And it's, it's there waiting on people to discover it. What a, what, just a little bit of imagination when you're reading the word goes a long way. And I don't know about you, but if, if God's spirit is left behind, I know we have the Holy Spirit today. But if God's spirit is left behind, I want to discover that. I want God to expand the way I think, expand the way I pray, expand the way I praise. I want God to change my outlook on life. We, we get to where everything's just uh, all this stress and all this. I think there's a way that you can live where you just, you've given all that to God. We all have to work hard, but we don't have to live stressed out to the max every day. We all get frustrated, but we don't have to be angry every day. You can live your life in a way that's joyful. You don't have to live your life in a way that's um, where you're struggling all the time, where um, everything's got you so stressed out, you're depressed, you're, you're this, you're that, you're worried about money, you're, you're um, the, you know, you can live it, your life in a way where all that's submitted to God. It no longer affects you. Can you imagine yourself living that way? Can you imagine yourself where you've given it all to God? We all have moments. We all have moments of fear. We do. We all have moments of, of depression. We all th go through lows, but we don't stay there. That's the thing. I don't know why God's given me depression, but that's the thing. We don't have to stay there. When you get close to God, when, when God really, and you're submitted into your mind, he makes your mind more like his. You think God's worried about the stock market? You think God's worried about, you know, where your next meal's coming from? No, he's got that covered. God is not worried. When you submit your mind, it becomes more like his. When it's more like his, you become more like him. It says God is love. 
you live your life in a way that's, that's joyful and it's joyful to others and others can see it. Others can feel it. They, they know. They know there's a guy that's got joy in his life. How does he have joy in this day and age? How do you, how do you have peace in this day and age? You have to have your mind submitted to God. The devil wants to bring that, that fear in. He wants to bring the anxiety in. He wants to bring that depression in. He wants you to live in such a way that you have no more hope. Take the hope. And, that, and, and I don't know why, but the, the demons that are loose on this world, they, they enjoy tormenting us. Listen, you don't have to live in torment. You don't have to live in torment. Like I said at the beginning, there's a Holy Spirit inside of you that's ready to fight that 12th round. There's a Holy Spirit inside of you that doesn't get tired like we do. And he can bring you up out of that, and, and, and you can live in a different way. I don't know why God's bringing me depression tonight. When I was, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to be done. When I was in my 20s, I, it was the craziest thing. I, I went to bed fine. But when I woke up the next day, I was depressed. It's like overnight. I woke up overnight. The sky was, my world was just blue. It's like in a normal mind, depressing thoughts, negative thoughts just pass through. But in a depressed mind, they, they only get and they circulate. And these negative thoughts just keep coming through. And so you just live in that. It's all I could do. It's all I could do to keep my job. I no longer, it wasn't like me. I'm normally a happy guy. I, I make jokes all the time. And I quit going out. I just, I just um, stayed at home by myself in the dark. Just, I mean, awful. And I finally got to this point where I said, I got to do something. I think I was depressed like that for a year. I, 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 I kept my job, but that's it. I could, I could show up to my job in the morning and work the 8 to 5, go home, and that was it. I finally said, I have, I have to do something. I went out one night in the, in the middle of the night and in a field and had my hands open to God and said, God, I need you. I can't live like this anymore. So what I did was I said, I'm going to get as close to God as possible. So I took the Bible with me everywhere I went, everywhere. I worked, it went with me. I went to eat, it went with me. I um, only watched TV programs that were preaching or about God. I fasted, I began to fast every single day. And by, by doing this, it's almost, I, I, it's almost like I created an environment where that depression could not survive anymore. If you want to ask me what depression is, if you want to ask my, my opinion, it's a spirit. It's a spirit. It is an evil spirit. Want to know how I know? You know how I said crazy things happen to me? I'm going to tell you this. I can't believe I'm telling you this, but I'm going to tell you this. I'm standing in my room. I've got victory all of a sudden. And the devil had, it's crazy, the devil told me, he said, I'm going to kill you. 
He didn't physically say that, but it just felt like my life was in danger. So then, you know, I'm sleeping with, like, a flashlight, you know, under the covers. It felt like my life was in danger. The devil's going to kill me. And so I'm driving down the road. After about two weeks of just living in horrible fear, uh, I was dating Jenna at the time. They'd come over and pray for me every night and anoint everything. And So I'm living in fear, and finally I, 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 it dawned on me. You know, if the devil was going to kill me, he would have done it already. I walked outside. This, don't do this. But I said, all right, devil, if you're going to kill me, kill me. And I went, still here. Turns out he was just bluffing the whole time. So I was living in victory over that. I was like, I swung and, 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 and got, a, got a win right there, right? So I'm, I'm like living in victory over this. The depression is starting to, you know, it's, it's gone. I'm like, yes. And this is the craziest thing. I, I can't believe I'm even telling you this, but I'm standing there, and there, this is no joke, of a black, I don't know what you want to call it, spirit. It was a demon. Grabbed me by the throat. Grabbed me by the throat. And I was scared to death. So I began praying, Lord God, you know, get this thing away from me. And it had a hole in my shirt. And, and anyway, the Holy Spirit came to the room and it took off. But when it grabbed hold of me, you know what it was? It was depression. It was a spirit of death. It was, it was depression. No joke. So a couple days go by, same thing happens. No joke. No joke. Broad daylight. I've, I don't talk about this often, but I was telling somebody about this, and they were like, were you on something? I was, I was like, no, no. This is broad daylight. Thing, it, it comes over and grabs a hold of me again around the throat, scares me to death. Again, so, so like, if I, I just got rid of fear, but it's, it's wanting to come back. Scares me to death. So about two weeks go by, and I, and I said, you know, I'm not living in this fear any longer. Lord, I give this to you. I've had a win. I'm going to walk in victory. I ain't going to live like this. Third time. Same spot, broad daylight. It comes over, and this time, I was like this. I was like, oh, you know, I hit nothing. But I, was, I was swinging at him, swinging at him. I finally said, Lord, send him back again, and I'll beat him again. I am not living like that, and I got victory over that depression. So if you ask me, depression is a spirit. It's a spirit. Now, now that I'm on the subject, there is an instance in the Bible, if you read the story of King Saul, it's a sad story, and it, it talks about where, King, where David would play the harp. You can look this up. David played the harp. King Saul was basically depressed. He said, he said he had a heavy spirit. But it's the only instance where it says, if you read it, it says, and God sent a heavy spirit to Saul. And the reason is Saul had disobeyed God. God said, do this, and Saul did this. So in saying that, if God has a calling on your life, and you know it, or if God told you to do this and you, you didn't do it, the problem is you don't just walk away from that without some sort of, um, you know, something happening. So in Saul's case, it was the heavy spirit was on him. The, 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 the Bible calls depression, there's a name for it, a heavy spirit. 
It was on Saul because of disobedience. But, but, and I'm telling you that just because that's the only instance in where God allowed that to happen. But no, but no joke, depression is a heavy spirit, and it is not from God. It's not godly. It's from the devil, and it's from hell, and you can defeat it. You can walk above it. You can put that under your feet. I did it. If I did it, you can do it. And it's such a big thing. I know that you know somebody that's struggling with it. I don't know if there's anybody in here that's struggling with it. But I want to I pray here in a minute, and I want to send that away from you. I want you to, to begin walking above that. I want you to begin to put that under your feet because you, you have the power to do it. The devil's a liar. He'll tell you you have no power, but you do. Your words matter. What you say matters. Death and life is in the tongue. Read the scriptures. The power of death and life is in the tongue. You can walk above that stuff. You, you don't have to. You can live your life in a way that you're happy. You can live your life in a way that you have joy, that you have free. But you are free. You don't have to live your life in bondage any longer. And, and I was, did not write a message on depression, but, man, that's, that's where I went with it. That's what I was feeling. So let's, let's stand.